Blog Talk Radio. The Franciscan Friars of the Atonement present the Ave Maria Hour. Hello, this is Father Bob Warren of the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. Thank you for listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour radio show. The Friars popular Ave Maria Hour was first brought to the radio airwaves in 1939, recorded in New York City and on the mountainside grounds at Graymoor, a home in Garrison, New York. These timeless classic stories of the Bible and the lives of the saints came to life each week through dramatic reenactment by professional actors and actresses. You know, friends, Christ once said, do not hide your treasure under a bushel. In saying this, he meant share your gifts, share your talents. The Friars of the Atonement feel the message in these broadcasts remains as powerful and timely as when they were originally aired, and we are so happy to be able to share them with you today. To learn more about the missions and ministries of the Friars of the Atonement, I invite you to visit our website, www.atonementfriars.org. In the meantime, sit back and enjoy this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour. Chapter 5 in the life of Pope Pius XII, the Pope of Peace. The dying sun, sinking beyond the hills of Rome, is red. It reflects the blood of the Christians who were sacrificed in the arena this afternoon. They say 300 were slaughtered. Perhaps it was 400. The arena is almost empty now. Caesar has left, followed by the Empress and the Vestal Virgins. A few senators are chatting, but they are leaving too. And the equestrians will follow them out. Out on the floor of the arena... The public slaves are picking up the corpses of the dead and piling them onto carts. Death to the Christians. They are the enemies of Caesar and the gods of Rome. The dying sun sinks beyond the spires and churches of Budapest. It reflects the blood of Christians who stood against Russian tanks this afternoon. Now the tanks are posted on corners, their guns pointed at the silent streets. Death to the Catholic Church. It is the enemy of the Communist Party. Death to the Catholic Church. It is the enemy of the Communist Party. It must be. It must of all necessity be the arch foe of the Communist doctrine. For one is Antichrist. The other is Christ himself. We 
pray for all men, the persecuted and the persecutors. While you run your fingers over the beads of the rosary, do not forget those who languish in jail, who languish miserably in prison camps and concentration camps. Pray for them, regardless of their race, their faith, or their creed. These were the words of the Holy Father, Pius XII. What kind of man could have uttered them? What kind of a man could have expressed gentleness and pity for those who hated him the most? Only a man of Christ, for he loved all mankind, even his enemies. He believed they knew not what they said or did. He was the vicar of Christ on earth, in thought, in word, in his every deed. And he reigned on the papal throne for nearly 20 years of this world's darkest history. What kind of man was he? Physically, he was lean and wiry. His frail-looking body, hardened by years of mountain climbing, swimming, and horseback riding. He was a lover of sports and enjoyed watching games. My sons, play the game well. Be sportsmen in its true meaning. Sport develops the virtues of loyalty, discipline, and fair play. Be modest in victory. Be graceful in defeat. You cannot always win a game. Be temperate and just. These are genuine Christian virtues which, when applied to sport, open up to it loftier horizons illuminated even with rays of mystic light. To lose as well as you win is the hallmark of a good sportsman. What kind of a man was he? He was a man of preordained spiritual destiny. The year 1917, May 13th. It was a fateful day for the world, a fateful day in the history of the Catholic Church. In Russia, in Moscow itself, a band of rough-riding horsemen rode their horses into a small church where there were children praying. They rode the children down, killing many of them, injuring still more, indifferent to the children's screams of terror. The violation of God's house did not end there, for the Russian riders, their swords drawn, rode around the church, smashing the altar and the rows of statues. This was the first instance of the Communist Party's manifestation of hatred for the Catholic Church, its first open act of violence against Christ. But it was only a mild forerunner of things yet to come as the Bolsheviks gained power. It was a strange, mystic day, this May 13, 1917. 
while a church was being violated in Moscow, Our Lady appeared to three shepherd children in Portugal. Later, she warned the rest of the world that unless it prepared for peace, it would be torn by hatreds that would culminate in terrible war. She warned against the Soviet Union's threat to peace. At the same time, she foretold that a Holy Father would someday consecrate the Russian people to her immaculate heart. On this same day, May 13, 1917, a priest named Eugenio Pacelli was consecrated an archbishop in Rome. Three events separated only by distance. One in Moscow, one in Portugal, the other in Rome, were in fact part of one historical pattern. Fast-moving occurrences soon proved Our Lady's prophecy of the Russian threat. 1922. The Red Terror and White Terror are locked in a death struggle in Italy. One doctrine little different from the other. But the fascists win. 1933. The fascist victory in Italy is duplicated in Germany as the Nazi party takes over. But the seed of communism has been planted over most of Europe. 1936. Russia instigates civil war in Spain, testing new weapons for future use. The Catholic Church in Spain suffers persecution and violence. 1938. Hitler invades Austria. 1939. World War II begins as Hitler invades Poland. 1945. Communist Russia sets up a communist state in Mongolia as the war ends. 1946. Albania, Romania, and Bulgaria taken over by the communists. Yugoslavia follows. 1948. Many small European nations absorbed into the communist empire. In the Far East, Manchuria falls. 1949. Behind the Iron Curtain, the most violent persecutions since the time of Nero begin. 1950. The communists complete their rape of China and go to work in Tibet. 1952. Korea. Communist armies invade South Korea. Our Lady's warning, uttered in 1917, went unheeded. And the Soviet threat to peace produced Hitler and Mussolini, World War II and Korea. And against all of this background is set the story of Pius XII and his never-tiring efforts to show the world the road to a just peace. As the war in Korea raged, the Holy Father watched the struggle with anxious eyes as he read the reports that reached him in the Vatican. On occasions, 
he must have confided his anxiety to Mother Pasqualina, the nun, who for some 40 years had served him as housekeeper. Holy Father. Hmm? It is time for your walk. Oh. Oh, oh, yes, yes, so it is. Yes, I suppose it is. Sad news. What a pity, little mother, that there is so much room for sadness in this world. Yes. Yes, it is. Why should we find such abundance of hatred and misery when there could be such opportunity for happiness and love for our fellow men? Yes. News from Korea is very sad. When are we going to learn that war will not solve our problems? Nor will it bring peace. When shall we learn that no war was ever a good war? That no peace was ever a bad peace? Your Holiness, are there many Catholics among the Korean people? Oh, some 300,000. That's not very many, is it? Not too many, no. And still, in that part of the world, there are millions of natural Christians. Natural Christians? The poor, the destitute. Oh. The multitudes. People who are born to a lifetime of poverty and sorrow. The ones who accept their burdens with dignity. Who accept pain and, and death with humility. God bless them all. Yes, God bless them. These people who, despite misery and starvation, cherish family life and respect for family life, when so many other peoples are forgetting what it means. I think the poor people of Asia feel the way Christ wanted all of us to feel. Sometimes, when I think about them, it seems to me they must know by instinct that our Lord loves them, that he has not forgotten them, even if some of them are not even consciously aware of his name. It is a beautiful thought, Holy Father. It must be true. One thing is certainly true. The salvation, the security of the world lies in Christ and our love for him. Nothing else will ever bring peace to the world. Not a thousand years of war, not a thousand atom bombs. No. It saddens me when I think of the opportunities we've had in the past to spread the gospel of Christ in places like Korea and taken so little advantage of them. I wish more people could understand the need for more and more missionaries to go out and spread the word of Christ, particularly in Asia. Oh, we have a few nuns, a few lay apostles, a few priests, but not nearly enough. Little mother, we have such a desperate need for missionaries. The need for more and still more missionaries. This was an uppermost thought, always with the Holy Father. And his constant hope that more young people might turn to careers in the missionary field. 
Meantime, the prophecy of Our Lady, foretold on that long-ago day in the year 1917, materialized. On a day in 1950, Pius XII received a sign from Our Lady. The repetition of a miracle that had taken place in Portugal when the sun moved. At a time when the communist hatred for him was most fierce, the Holy Father fulfilled Our Lady's wish and consecrated the Russian peoples to her immaculate heart, his own compassion reflecting hers. Pray also for those who persecute the church. For only through your prayers can these poor people find their way through their darkness to the glorious light of God's love. That was the kind of a man he was. The true instrument of our Lord. And still, this saintly man belonged to this modern age. It was he who installed telephones in the Vatican, who built the Vatican radio. The Holy Father kept pace with a march of science. Almighty God, in his wisdom, blessed us with intellect and the curiosity to seek to uncover some of the wonders of his universe. Science is simply a means to this end, a channel through which men can learn more and more about God's wonderful world. Without this intellect, without this inborn curiosity, we would still be living in caves. That we have come so far from our beginning is a clear indication that God intended us to make progress. September 22nd, 1950. On that day, the Holy Father spoke to a group of visiting students from a Catholic college in France. Holy Father, will you tell us your position on the matter of science and the church? Oh, my son, there is no conflict between the church and science. All the sciences have direct or indirect relationship with religion... Not only theology, philosophy, history, literature, but also the law, medicine, physics, and natural sciences. Nor is there any conflict between the church and some phases of psychoanalysis. Holy Father, will you tell us your views on modern art and music? As they apply to the church? Yes, Your Holiness. If you don't mind, that is. Why, no, no. I don't mind in the least. The fact is, I'd like to see the church take a very lively interest in modern art and music. You... you would? Well, of course I would, my son. We didn't expect your holiness to say that. You didn't? Why, no. Well, now I wonder why. I don't know. I, I... I think we must assume that when art and music were first introduced into the church centuries ago, they must have been considered reasonably modern at that time. Don't you think so? Why, yes, Your Holiness. 
then I see no reason why we shouldn't glorify our Lord with the new appropriate music and art of these times, too. Do you? Why, why, no, Your Holiness, uh, certainly not. After all, music and painting and literature reflect the age in which they are created. And it certainly will never change the basic structure of the church, will it, my son? No, Your Holiness. Then the church, I think, should avail itself of the best that music and the arts have to offer in each age. <laughs> the church must progress, huh? We can't see it left behind, can we? Certainly not, Holy Father. And still, my son, we must all pray for the time when the ultimate in the sciences will be a peaceful world dedicated to love of Christ. Only then will men find true happiness and achievement. Will you pray for that day, my son? Yes, Holy Father. We all will. I most certainly will. That was the kind of a man he was, Pius Twelfth. Human and warm, kindly and timely. Few men have had the vision he possessed. Few have had his simple humility and his tremendous intellect. He patronized no one. All men were equal in his sight. The poor who came to see him received perhaps more compassion than the rich. And these were the virtuous qualities that infuriated the communists. And no man better deserved their hatred. For their hatred reflected Satan's hatred for this saintly man. But time was slowly running out for him. January 22nd, 1953. On this day, following a year of failing health, Pius XII was stricken with bronchitis and was confined in his apartment for two months. December 2nd, 1954. The Holy Father seemed close to death. During this period, Pius XII was blessed with a vision of our Lord. He regained a measure of some strength. On Christmas Day of that year, he had conserved enough strength to walk as far as the window of his room and to appear before the crowd below in the square. He was able to bless them. The Holy Father miraculously survived, and the time came when he went about his customary duties, though all those about him watched anxiously, hoping he would limit his work. But he worked tirelessly. October 6th, 1958. 
About 17 miles from the Vatican, the Holy Father was at Castel Gandolfo, suffering from a slight stroke. He was 82 years old now. The world was anxious, as always. But on previous occasions, when the Holy Father had fallen sick, his very strength of will seemed to spare him from death. And those who loved him, and those who respected him, regardless of their faith, prayed for his recovery again. The Christian world could not afford to lose this man. But the end was near. this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour, brought to you by the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. For over 110 years, the Friars have devoted themselves to fulfilling St. Francis' prayer, to heal wounds, to unite what has fallen apart, and to bring home those who have lost their way. We work for Christian unity and interreligious understanding. We provide respite at our retreat center at Greymoor for those in need of spiritual renewal. We staff parishes throughout the world, serve as chaplains for colleges, hospitals, and prisons. We care for the ill through hospice work, ministry to those with HIV-AIDS. We also shelter the homeless and provide treatment and services for those suffering from alcoholism and drug addiction. If you would like to be included in our prayer list, participate in special St. Anthony Novenas, and or visit St. Anthony Shrine Graymore. Attend a retreat, learn more about our Ave Maria Hour productions, or simply make a donation to assist us in fulfilling St. Francis' prayer to help those in need. Please visit our website at atonementfriars.org or email me at avemaria at atonementfriars.org. You can write to me, Father Bob, Friars of the Atonement, Graymore, Post Office Box 300, Garrison, New York, 10524. And so, in closing, I ask for the blessing of God upon you and those you love. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he look upon you with kindness and give you his peace. Amen. Amen.